Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 391, and today we are talking about books being released in December of 2022 and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Danica Ellis, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Danica, hello! Hello! You drew the short straw and had to read (laughs) books for this month. Everyone else gets to do the the wrap-up episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've ever done one. I I always have the... (laughs) Yeah, it's because you're the first week of the month. Yeah. always... Maybe maybe next year you could swap with somebody, but I doubt they'll want to. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I did actually, one of the books I read for this episode turned out to be, I think, my favorite book I've read this year. <gasps> so it turned out okay. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what it is. It's unexpected. Mm. I also have a book on my on my list today that I think is going to turn out to be a lot of people's favorite of the really? year. Really? Which is very exciting. This year, they're putting out so many more books in November, December. Like, it's still definitely the slower time. But, like, you know, the new Michelle Obama book was last month, right? Yep. And, like, a bunch of big releases. Oh, yeah. Bono, Matthew Perry. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's it's great stuff. There aren't as many in December, not even close, which is why, you know, we say we're talking to you about the best books being released in December because there's not as many to pick from. Um, and we're going to do some wrap-up episodes, which is fun. Let's see. I'm sitting here in my office in Maine. It is a beautiful day, but it's also like 25 degrees out. And the construction on the house next door, they are... I looked over there like you could see that I'm like pointing at the house over there. They're uh, filling the walls with insulation now so that you probably can hear that noise. It's very loud, but if you can't, that's... Or can that's what that is. I can't hear it. But well, all right. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I might have them come over here next and just attach it to one of my ears and maybe fill my head. <laughs> it's still, the sun is nowhere near to being up here. <laughs> still. Oh, that's right. Because it's very early where you yeah. are on the other side of the country mm-hmm. and a different country. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm never going to get that math down. You know, and, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes when we're messaging, messaging each other about the show, you know, we'll write it backwards. So yeah. the other person will be like, okay, yeah, we're going to record at 10. And then we're like, no, we meant 10 my time, like seven <laughs> your time. Like, it's wacky. Yeah, I always I always remember it's three hours, the difference. Mm-hmm. And then I always forget which way the difference goes. Right. Why does it even matter? It's December, I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild. So, you know, I'm always saying, where does the time go? But I just worked on a post about books coming out in paperback at the beginning of next year. Like, I have not read many of these in hardcover. <laughs> now mm-hmm. they're in paperback. Woo! Yeah. It goes by really fast. But I do love paperbacks because 
I like to buy books. So yeah. I do, well, while I enjoy reading hardcovers the most because they stay open, because I like to read on my side and like lean the book up against something, they stay open really well. Uh, you can get two paperbacks for the price of one hardcover. And it's that appeals true. to me. Yeah. So that I can fill my house up twice as fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my husband doesn't usually say anything, but the other day he said, um, so are there going to be a lot more books coming into the house? Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, is that, is that your way of saying Help, help, help. <laughs> He's like, no. He's like, but where are you going? I was like, oh, my goodness. There's so much more room in this house for more books. Like, do you want to see? He's like, no. <laughs> It'll be a surprise. <laughs> I was like, I could do it if you want. He's like, no, that's okay. <laughs> oh, Speaking of books, if you would like to get some books or if you are looking for the perfect gift for the book nerd in your life, you can gift tailored book recommendations. Your special someone will tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, or book nerds, whatever you want to call them, they will tell them about what they love and what they don't love, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then they just sit back while our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. TBR has plans for every budget. You can gift one quarter or a whole year. You can give hardcovers in the mail or recommendations via email. And the recommendations only level is available worldwide. So you can visit mytbr.co slash gift to give the gift of books. That's mytbr.co slash gift. I have to tell you, well, actually, before I tell you, uh, we're going to hear from our first sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Okay, now I have to tell you. Uh, so I, you know, work on TBRs and it's amazing. You know, I just get so excited because there are so many books in the world. And when I'm reading over the, the letters and stuff, I must add one to five books a day to my list of things. Like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. And I know that the other people that work on it too, they're all like, I, I have so many books that I've learned about from, you know, working on TBRs. And it's just like, yeah. And that it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Everything is exciting to me. <laughs> I am an enthusiast about books, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> and a little wacky and a little tired. So I'm going to kick it off if you're ready. So this book, I think it just might upend your list of favorite books of 2022. You're going to be like, I thought I had figured out my list, Liberty. And then you ruined it by recommending this book. It is The Light Pirate by Lily Brooks Dalton. Oh my goodness, this novel. I said novel. That's cool. It's, I'm going to make that a thing. This novel is slightly speculative climate change fiction. It's set in a future where global warming is actively really destroying parts of the world. Not just like affecting, not like we're seeing changes, but they're, the storms are just ruining whole parts of the world. It's set in four parts... The, the novel is set in four parts, I should say. They all take place in Florida. The parts are called Power, Water, Light, and Time. And 
like I said, storms are a frequent occurrence. In Florida, hurricanes are happening all the time. At the beginning of the book, we meet Frida, who lives in Florida with her husband, Kirby. They actually met at a hurricane disaster site where Frida had lost her mother. And Kirby convinces her to move to Florida with him. They get married. He takes a job as a linesman, which means he now goes out and works with other crew members to restore power when it goes out. You know, it's very dangerous work. They grab those live wires that are down and they fix the power. And at the beginning of this book, there is a hurricane coming and Frida is very worried. She's eight months pregnant and she's obviously traumatized by hurricanes. You know, she lost her mother in the last one that she encountered. And Kirby, who is sort of a disaster expert, you know, thinks he knows hurricanes. He tells her it's not going to hit us. It's going to go off. You know, we're just going to get some rain and... You know, but she's very upset about it. And so he's trying to calm her down, but he's also frustrated. He, you know, he doesn't think it's going to happen. And he has to go off to work and he leaves her alone with her, with his uh, two young sons from his previous marriage. They were staying with them for the weekend. And things go about as badly as they could. Uh, Frida ends up giving birth to a daughter named Wanda, who is an unusual little girl. And I'm not going to explain why she's unusual, because that would be a spoiler. But Wanda has a very hard time growing up. First of all, because her name, Wanda, is also the name of the hurricane that occurred on the day that she was born. And so every time people say Wanda, they are reminded of this storm that caused so much disaster and loss. But her name, her mother insisted that she be named Wanda. So that's that's her name now. Uh, and Wanda is bullied a lot as a child. Uh, most of her friends are grown-ups. Actually, all of her friends are grown-ups. And as Wanda gets older, we see a land ravaged by storms. Kirby's job is getting harder and harder. There's no money to staff his crew. He has no employees. Whole cities like Miami are being relocated because they've just been lost to storms. And it's come to the point where now people are just abandoning their homes. There's no insurance claims or anything because they can't keep up with them. Everyone just has to get out. And so now... Kirby is wondering, like, how much longer can he keep Rudder together? He's going out and he's fixing these power lines and they're down again, not even a day later. He doesn't have the employees. He doesn't have the financing to, to keep keep this up. And he really feels like he's the only one holding this town together. You know, how long should they stay in a place that's falling apart? We also follow Wanda as she tries to do all the things that we do as humans as we grow and learn and love but in this new, wild, dangerous landscape. It's such a beautiful, mesmerizing story of love and loss in the face of disaster. This could be our reality in the future. Storms like this. Like, absolutely, the science is real. Except for, like, a small little part of something that happens, which I told you I wasn't going to talk about. I would definitely say this is a great comp if you love Emily St. John Mandel, especially her last few books. It's just wonderful. I do want to give content warnings for animal death, child harm and death, pregnancy trauma and loss, gore, violent bullying, and loss of a loved one. This is The Light Pirate by Lily Brooks Dalton. Okay. And now my book that I was talking about, which also has light in the title. So those <gasps> Should I do are a drum roll? Can I do a drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> Did that it sound is- like a drum roll? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> It is How Far the Light Reaches, A Life in Ten Sea Creatures by Sabrina Imbler. So 
Like I said, this might be my favorite book I've read this year, and there's been some stiff competition. This is not one I was really expecting to love nearly as much as I do. It is exactly what the subtitle promises. It's A Life in Ten Sea Creatures. It is a collection of essays that weaves together facts about aquatic animals with related stories from the author's own life. So for example, the beginning essay is about feral goldfish and how these goldfish are released into the wild and we think of them as very short-lived, delicate animals, but they're actually incredibly hardy and that's why they live at all when they're put in horrible conditions like tiny little goldfish bowls. And when they are actually in the wild and just living as they're supposed to, they take over entire ecosystems and they grow to huge sizes. So you you shouldn't release goldfish into the wild because they will dominate everything else. But in the same essay, Ambler is describing queer communities. And one of the quotes from that essay is, imagine having the power to become resilient to all that is hostile to us. This is an immersive, gorgeous book that reminded me of Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller, which I also loved. So clearly, I need to pick up more memoirs that are infused with writing about nature and animals. I would have been interested in either of these two versions of how far the light reaches if they had been separated, the memoir or the science. I don't usually read a lot of science writing, but Ambler's writing on marine biology is accessible and fascinating, so I was completely pulled in. But by braiding these two threads together, it becomes more than the sum of its parts. It really complements the other part of each essay. The way it's structured could be gimmicky, it sounds like it could be, but This book doesn't use easy metaphors or simplify the biology side to lend itself better to the accompanying social commentary. Imbler is a science writer slash reporter and shows their deep appreciation for these animals in their own right. And the two approaches, they just work so well together. They complement each other without being reductive. And their writing is in turns beautiful, funny, and striking with so much packed into spare sentences. Like there's this one passage that says, before the class, M knew how to draw whales and I did not. After the class, I was in love with M and they were not in love with me. And it's just that short little bit is, even without any other context, so effective. I I just loved reading this. Like I keep finding sentences that I wanted to share. There's this description of returning home to visit and checking dating apps while they're there and said, I told myself I was there to see my old classmates to see who was newly hot, newly gay or both. This is such a gloriously queer narrative, exploring Ambler's relationships, gender and queer community more generally. They also discuss their mixed-race identity, both personally and in relation to their mixed-race partner. In one essay, they write about how to give a necropsy report of dead whales, and then they reiterate different versions of this necropsy report of a previous relationship, giving a different proposed cause of death each time. 
I really savored reading this book. I ended each day by reading one of the essays, and I was just really looking forward to it every night. This is a philosophical, curious, thought-provoking, and kind book. It explores queer people as shapeshifters, as swarms, as immortal. It's so beautiful, and I never wanted it to end. Even if you aren't usually a reader of science writing, as I usually am not, I highly recommend picking this one up, and I can't wait to see what the author writes next. I do want to give some content warnings for discussion of weight and weight loss, fat phobia, as well as discussion of war and violence. And that is How Far the Light Reaches by Sabrina Imbler. So... I really want to read that, but I'm so sensitive to animal stuff. Mm. I don't know. I might have to you know, just brace myself for it. Yeah, it's it's not too bad on that front. Like, it does talk about, you know, environmental stuff and, and how these animals are threatened by the climate crisis. Uh, and it talks about, like, dead whales as mm-hmm. and whaling. But it, it doesn't, like, I don't know. I I feel like you'd probably be okay. Not as much as Moby Dick. <laughs> no. Can't, is that possible? Can anyone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you started talking about it, it reminded me of this book that I loved when I was a kid called A Fish Out of Water by Helen Palmer and illustrated by P.D. Eastman. It mm-hmm. was put out by Dr. Seuss Books about this kid who gets a goldfish at the pet store and the pet shop owner is like, okay, whatever you do, don't feed it too much. But the little kid doesn't listen and he feeds the goldfish and it keeps growing and growing and growing until it's like too big for the bulls, too big for his house, too big for the town. (laughs) And one, I loved this book so much. And my mother was a librarian and I would get so mad because we weren't allowed to just keep it. (laughs) Like, like why couldn't she just continuously check it out? You know, like just be like, this book is off. We had to return it, so I would get mad. But also, what I didn't know in, like, looking it up just now is that Helen Palmer is the wife of Dr. Seuss. Oh. Who knew? Interesting. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of you read that book, too. It was really fun. I didn't also realize that it was so old. It's from 1961. Yeah. I I was not a (laughs) child then, but some people were. (laughs) So, moving on. My next pick today is My Darkest Prayer by S.A. Cosby. If that name sounds familiar, it is because Cosby is the best-selling author of Blacktop Wasteland and Razorblade Tears. This is a reissue of his first thriller. It's being reissued in paperback. Uh, It was originally published with a small press, and since he's now like this amazing best-selling author, they're reissuing it, and they should because it's really fun. It also has one of my favorite tropes, which is like in Winter Counts, like the sort of self-proclaimed heavy of the town. The main character in this one is Nathan. He is a former Marine and Sheriff's deputy, although I typed a former Marie. I don't know what that would mean, but anyway, um, he works at a funeral home, but he also does a little work on the side, handling sticky situations for people. People know that Nathan is somebody that you can go to when you're in a jam or you need a little help. And then the local minister is murdered. And his parishioners eventually ask Nathan to investigate what happened because they feel like the police are taking way too long for dragging their feet, just even looking into it, which is kind of an indication of maybe corruption, something, some shady dealings are going on. So Nathan agrees 
and then is almost immediately sucked into a world of violence and crime. He ends up going up against mobsters, violent goons, and a devious preacher and his wife. Now, if Nathan wants to get out alive, he's going to have to dig down to the bottom of the dirtiest secrets his small town is hiding. Like Cosby's other books, this is very atmospheric. It's very thrilling. He is an expert at writing plot and making it move fast. He's an expert at dialogue and great characters. He reminds me a lot of Elmore Leonard or Walter Mosley. He's like three, soon to be four novels, and he's already an expert in his field. I'm also a big fan of fictional violence and nonsensical violence in the sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't situations, you know, those like one last job, uh, you know, no good deed goes unpunished kind of tropes. I love those stories. And this one is excellent. And like I said, he has a new one coming out. Well, not soon, soon, but uh, it's called All the Sinners Bleed and it's out June 6th. This one, I want to give content warnings, obviously for violence, murder, and mention of sexual assault. If you haven't read S.A. Cosby, I highly recommend picking up this one. Or go grab Blacktop Wasteland, which you probably already have. It's My Darkest Prayer by S.A. Cosby. I've been hearing really good things about that one that, like, everyone discovered after the success of his later ones that he was actually really great from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So my next pick is A Million to One by Adiba Jagradar. This is a YA sapphic heist story set on the Titanic which I feel like should be enough. But just in case, I'll keep going. This is from the author of The Henna Wars and Hanian Issues Guide to Fake Dating. But while there is a romantic subplot in A Million to One, it's not the focus as it was in her previous two books. This follows four point of view characters, all of whom have their own reasons for wanting to pull off a heist that could set them up for life opportunities that were previously unimaginable. So the first main character is Josepha, who is the mastermind and leader of the operation. Thievery is how she gets by day to day. And this is the job that's going to change everything. She wants to steal the Rubaiyat, which is a jewel encrusted book being transported on the Titanic that is extremely expensive. It's worth more than any of the jewelry that any of the people in first class are wearing. She has already managed to steal some tickets to the Titanic, but she knows she can't pull off this heist alone. So she starts recruiting other people to help. The easy choice to join her is Violet, who is a friend who has helped her out on several other jobs before. Violet is a very convincing actress, which makes her the perfect choice to be kind of the face of the operation. She can charm almost anyone, which will hopefully help get them out of any tight spots. In her real life, though, Violet is closed off and suspicious, and she is especially suspicious of the much less seasoned additions to their team, because the next person that gets recruited is Hina, who is a circus performer and contortionist, because in order to steal the Rubaiyat, they need someone who can fit in tight spaces. She is eager to walk away from her life and pursue something new, even though she has never done anything like this before. And then the last addition to the team is Emily, who is also the most unlikely person to be 
playing a part in this heist. She is a painter who is feeling lost after her father died. She lives in a very different world than the other three young women. She is kind of a higher status, which makes Violet very suspicious of her motives and her capabilities. But they need someone to forge a convincing copy of the Rubaiyat to buy them time. So she is an essential member of the team. And it doesn't hurt that Josepha also has a crush on Emily and has been looking for an excuse to spend more time with her. Each chapter begins with a countdown. So three days, seven hours, 25 minutes. Because, of course, this is a Titanic story. And while the characters are busy trying to pull off this heist, we know that there is something much bigger and more dangerous approaching. Meanwhile, they also have to dodge the matron who is suspicious of four young women traveling with an escort, and they are navigating their tenuous relationships with each other, including a budding romance. And they're all keeping secrets about what has really brought them to this mission. As with the author's other books, the main characters all live in Ireland. I actually didn't realize that the Titanic originally left from Ireland, so I learned that. Josepha is originally from Spain, Emily is part Haitian and part French, Violet is from Croatia, and Hina is from India. One thing I found really interesting about this book is how there's this diverse group in a very rich white environment. And the way that it's written, racism is mentioned in the novel, but it also doesn't play much of a role whether on the Titanic. And as far as I can remember, homophobia doesn't come up at all. I can't imagine I would have enjoyed a book that realistically describes how queer women of color would have been treated in this situation. But it almost exists somewhere between an alternate history and realism, which was a little hard to pin down for me sometimes, but I still really enjoyed it. I just feel like I want to discuss that aspect with someone who has read it, uh, because I think it was a really interesting choice and probably has to do with this being a YA book. And I think anytime you're writing historical YA, you kind of have to decide how much realism you're giving it and how much readability you are giving it because those can sometimes be competing. But I really enjoyed this. If the premise intrigues you, definitely pick this up. Though, of course, keep in mind that it takes place in the Titanic, so you know how it'll end. I sometimes felt like I wanted to spend more time with the characters and their relationships to each other, but I think that's a function of the genre. This is a heist. It's much more focused on the plot than the characters, especially with four point of views to juggle in a fairly short book. So if you're looking for something a little more fast-paced, if you love a heist story, I mean, did I mention that this is a sapphic YA heist on the Titanic? Then you should definitely pick this one up. And that is A Million to One by Adiba Jagradar. Yay, Adiba. <laughs> Very excited for her. Yeah. So those are books that we have read. Now we are going to talk about a few more of this month's releases in hardcover and paperback that we are excited about but haven't necessarily read. My first one is Cursed Bunny Stories by Bora Chung and translated by Anton Herr. This one caught my attention first because 
I kept seeing the cover of this like fluorescent purple rabbit in my Instagram feed because I follow a lot of people outside of the US and this was originally released in Korea and in the UK. Uh, and it was shortlisted for the International Booker Prize. And I was like, I want to read that. It's a debut collection from a Korean author. And the blurb on the front of it from Ed Park describes it as cool, brilliantly demented K-horror. And I was like, you had me at demented. I want to read that. And then I found out that it was coming out in a U.S. version. So I was so excited. And also, it just, it's a book of horror short stories. And it was nominated for so many awards. Like, that really impressed me. Uh, I will give you a short paragraph from the description. It says, it is by turns thought-provoking and stomach-turning. Here, monsters take the shapes of furry woodland creatures and danger lurks in unexpected corners of everyday apartment buildings. I was like, yes, please. Now I am not going to read you the descriptions of the stories in the book because just reading the descriptions upset me and that made me so happy because, I don't know, I like demented stuff. Uh, One is about a woman who is haunted by her own bodily functions. One is about a monster who is fighting in an underground fight ring. One is about a pregnant woman who discovers that she must find a father for her baby before it's born or bad things, like horrific things, are going to happen to her or possibly the world. And one is about a child's bedroom lamp in the shape of a bunny that turns out to be, you guessed it, cursed. I am so ready to be astounded and horrified and have my stomach turned, which is what horror is for. Like, it sounds like a great time. Obviously not for everyone, but it is my thing. So I'm very excited. I might read this next. Uh, It is Cursed Bunny, stories by Bora Chung, translated by Anton Herr. And now, before Danica tells us about her next book, which I'm sure is just as wild and stomach-turning, we are going to hear from our next sponsor. All right, just kidding. This one sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, my next pick is uh, a little bit different from that. It's <laughs> A Dash of Salt and Pepper by Kosoko Jackson. And this is an MM foodie rom com with a black gay main character and a white bisexual love interest. So the main character is Xavier, who had big plans for his life. And unfortunately, they have just all fallen down around him. After graduating business school, he was supposed to be on the cutting edge of some fascinating yet ethically defensible startup. That was the plan. And instead, after many rounds of interviews, he got rejected for the fellowship he was counting on. And then he also got dumped by his boyfriend. So now he's back home at his parents' house in a tiny little town in Maine. While he's wallowing, things only seem to get worse when he hears someone breaking in downstairs. And when he heroically confronts the intruder, turns out to be an embarrassing misunderstanding. And maybe his confrontation was not actually that heroic. But Logan, the chef at the hottest restaurant in town and the person Xavier just accused of robbery, is also looking for a sous chef. And Xavier has no other options, so they reluctantly start working together and soon after flirting. 
This is an age gap romance. Xavier is 26 and Logan is 39 and he has a 14-year-old daughter. A lot of the reviews say that this is a perfect match for fans of Hallmark movies. It's that big city guy reluctantly returning to his small hometown of finding love. Xavier is a sarcastic and snarky main character who can get under your skin, but apparently over the course of the novel, you start to understand why he's developed this armor. It's also about him having to adapt to this change in circumstance, kind of a coming of age story, but you know, in in your 20s, and reevaluating the plans he had for his life. This looks like a really cute, fun romance with a foodie element. So I am looking forward to that. And it is A Dash of Salt and Pepper by Kosoko Jackson. Okay. And for my last pick today, I chose Vinyl Resting Place by Olivia Black. In my next life, please, please, please let me come back as someone who gets to make up punny titles for things for a living. Or or in this life. Someone, please hire me now. I would like to write nail polish colors and punny titles for cozy mysteries and romance novels. It's just amazing, and I'm always astounded by how many more there are all the time. So this is the first in a cozy mystery series. It's about three sisters who opened Sip and Spin Records. It's a record and coffee shop in Cedar River, Texas. They find a body in the store's supply closet, which is bad In case you didn't know, that's bad. Uh, And one of their uncles is arrested for the murder. Then another of their uncles disappears. And the sisters will have to get to the bottom of the murder before something else terrible happens, possibly to them. Props to the person who wrote the description of this book. There are a ton of music puns, starting with uh, the beginning where they mentioned finding a body that is deader than disco. Uh, I just cackled through the whole thing. It's genius. If you don't, you know, we say cozy mystery, we throw it around all the time. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know what a cozy mystery actually is, because perhaps you've not been listening to the show from the beginning or you forgot. Uh, A cozy mystery means, uh, well, people are of two minds of what a cozy mystery is. Or it could be a combination of both, I think. Uh, It it means that there's very little blood, sex, swearing, or violence. Uh, Some people believe that cozy mysteries have to be investigated by an amateur detective. Like, a lot of them take places in stores and restaurants, and the proprietors or the employees at these places investigate these crimes. So a lot of people think, like, Louise Penny, her series is not Cozy Mysteries. I agree. I think that those books are so intense, you know, and while there's not, like, a whole lot of blood and gore, I don't consider them to be Cozy Mysteries, although they are amazing. I just read her new one, How Does She Do It? Every single time. I don't know. But she just does. Like, incredible. Highly recommend Louise Penny. But also very excited to read this one. It is called Vinyl Resting Place by Olivia Black. And before I turn it over to Danica, I want to shout out uh, two more uh, noteworthy books coming out in December that you would probably like to know about. One being Nine Liars by Maureen Johnson, which is a standalone mystery with Stevie Bell set in the world of the Truly Devious trilogy, which is now on its fifth book. And Stella Maris by Cormac McCarthy, which is the follow-up to The Passenger, which came out in October. It's actually like a duology. It's a continuation. Um, so that one is also out in December. I'm sure you're excited. Now, Danica, over to you. 
I do think cozy mysteries are, they may not require a punny title, but it's definitely highly encouraged. That's like one of the defining characteristics, I feel. I love them. I buy so many of them just for the title and then I don't read them. (laughs) They got you. It worked. All right. My last pick is Roses in the Mouth of a Lion by Busher Remen. It is about Razia, who is a Pakistani-American girl growing up in Queens in the 80s. She is the child of immigrants, and her parents expect her to behave in a certain way. As a teenager, she starts taking part in small rebellions with friends, like wearing miniskirts. And when she is accepted into a prestigious Manhattan high school, it feels like a whole different world than the Pakistani neighborhood she grew up in. She spent her childhood in the bubble of that neighborhood, surrounded by families similar to hers. At the high school, she falls for a girl named Angela, but when their relationship is found out, she is forced to make difficult decisions about her culture, her faith, her identity, and her future. The reviews say that this is a character-driven coming-of-age story with a really strong setting of Corona Queens in the 80s, and that it doesn't simplify the struggle she has with reconciling her faith, family, and queerness. It's told in layered stories. It's sort of a collection of vignettes, and they all build that characterization and show how she ended up here. Some of the reviews mentioned that the audiobook, which is read by the author, I believe, is especially good. This looks like a great option if you like books that really explore a character in depth or coming-of-age stories, especially of young women and the friendships between girls, or books that deal with queerness and religion and that explore the nuances of that. I am really looking forward to this one. I actually really wanted to read it before this episode, but I quickly realized I wanted to spend a little more time with it. I didn't want to rush through it, so now it is added to my soon TBR, hopefully, because it looks fantastic. I also wanted to read this one because I have heard amazing things. So. Yeah, yeah, it looks beautiful. We could do a buddy read. <gasps> that would be so fun. <laughs> like we have the time. <laughs> yeah, right? There's no other books we need to read. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's Roses and the Mouth of a Lion by Busher Remen. Also, I just love that title. And I yeah. love the cover. I'm really I know. excited for this one. Yeah, me too. So those are some books we are excited about that we haven't necessarily read uh, coming out in December. And now I'm going to tell you about a few books that are coming out in paperback in December that are of note. Uh, first up, a few titles that were in hardcover and now are going to be in paperback, starting with Road of Bones by Christopher Golden. This is a really great one to read in the winter because it's set in Siberia and it takes place, it's a horror novel that takes place on the actual real a real road in Russia that's called the Road of Bones, which was built by prisoners, and they would die by the thousands, and they would just build the road over them. Uh, it's, it's a horrifying piece of history, and it's a horror book. Also, Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? by Lizzie Damalola Blackburn, which I talked about uh, when it came out. I love this book. It's about a British-Nigerian woman named Yinka who is living life on her own terms. She has a job that she loves. She's just gotten out of a serious relationship, uh, and her mother and her aunties are pressuring her to 
find a man. You know, they want to know when she's going to have a husband. Uh, and so she decides she's going to go about doing it the way that she wants, finding a husband, with a spreadsheet. Uh, and then she gets invited to a wedding, and she's trying to figure out a date very quickly. And things all spiral from there. It's really, really fun. I loved it so much. There's also Light Years from Home by Mike Chen. This is about a family torn apart when the father and brother go missing, and the father returns a few days later claiming that he and the brother were abducted by aliens. Uh, do they believe him? Where is the brother really? I haven't read this one. I meant to get to it. I know a lot of book rioters love it, uh, so I hope to read this soon. The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum, which I talked about on the podcast when it came out in hardcover. I say that so that, like, if you look up the hardcover date, you can go back and listen if you want. Uh, but it's about a black classical violinist who finds out that the violin that he has been playing, which has been passed down in his family, is actually a very, very rare, expensive Stradivarius violin. And when this information is made public, the family that enslaved his relative, who had the violin originally, claims it as their own, and then it goes missing. And so did they steal it, or did someone else? The cover is very, very different than the hardcover. It's like this bright, colorful illustration of a violin because it's matching his new book, which comes out in April, which is called Symphony of Secrets. It is not a sequel of any kind. It's just also about music and violins. And then out in paperback original, there is That Dangerous Energy by Aya de Leon, which is about a starving artist who thinks she can solve her problems by marrying a billionaire. That solves a lot of problems, except... She likes to do charity work, and she discovers that his family's company does not do good things, uh, and now she's conflicted about what to do. A Fractured Infinity by Nathan Tavares, about characters who navigate the multiverse, uh, traveling around to try and save multiple versions of Earth. And The Circus Train by Amita Park, which is about friendship and blossoming romance aboard a traveling circus train starting in 1938 and going on into the start of World War II. So, those are books that we talked about. That's what I'm going <laughs> to... And those are things that we said. Uh, what are you going to read next? Well, it's finally December, so I want to jump into my collection of sapphic holiday stories that uh, have been building up. Uh, I think I might have talked about this on the podcast before, but Season of Love by Helena Greer is near the top of that stack. It is an FF romance about a woman who inherits a Christmas tree farm from her aunt. They are a Jewish family who runs a Christmas tree lot, I guess. And this just looks absolutely delightful. And I, there are so many queer holiday romances out this year, and it makes me very happy. And I want to read all of them this month. What are you reading next? So I just got Quietly Hostile by Samantha Irby, which I'm so excited about. It's her new collection of essays, which come out in May, uh, May 16th to be exact. And I am also rereading the Agent Pendergast series, getting ready for the newest one, which comes out January 17th. And if you could just humor me for a second, I would like to talk about this series for a minute. It is the most ridiculous thing I've read, okay? It's like 20 books long about this 
like super genius billionaire FBI agent and he knows everything and he has access to everything and he can buy everything. And it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but they're so well written that I can't stop reading them. Like this is my third time reading them now. And wow. but like I would just like to give you an example of how absolutely ridiculous these books are, okay? And this is, like, a minor spoiler, but this book is, like, 14 years old, so you'll be okay. Uh, Like, in one of them, two of the protagonists, these two women, uh, need to break into various places to steal ingredients to cure a disease that only they know exists. Like, the main character has it, and they need to get the the antidote. Uh, So one breaks into the Museum of Natural History and ends up climbing a T-Rex skeleton and then pushing it over onto the bad guy... To stop him, uh, with no repercussions, okay, broken, ruined a skeleton, no repercussions, while her co-worker breaks into the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens and winds up climbing trees and swinging from tree to tree while she's pouring a very deadly, very rare kind of acid down onto the bad guys who are at the on the ground shooting up into the trees. Uh, and she has impeccable aim, of course, and she's melting them into little puddles with this acid that she just happens to have lying <laughs> around. Trashing the place. Also, no repercussions. <laughs> I, I, that was when I really was like, wow, these are just, just so ridiculous. And I promise you they get even more ridiculous. Uh, but I, it's just like, like diehard combined with, I, I don't even know. I love them. (laughs) But, yeah. I just had to get that out because when I say they're ridiculous, that is what I am talking about. You know, like, with, like, those action movies where just the most impossible things happen. So. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, But I do highly recommend them. Although, they're, you know, they're quite dated now. But they're by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. Not to be confused with Lee Child. All right, I'm done talking about them. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) And that is it for today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. If you want to get a gift for that bookish person in your life, go to mytbr.co slash gift. You can find a link in the show notes. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to talk about the Agent Pendergrass series with me. You can find us online. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. Danica, are you are you hanging out on Twitter at all these days? I kind of. Yeah. <laughs> not, well, not then really. But. You, can, you can find Danica at lesbrary, L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y on Twitter. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you download your podcasts and leave a rating or review that helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading.